0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is
1: on. Competition is on. Competition is on. Competition 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 Welcome. We didn't get to do this on Wednesday, and. um... Yesterday was kind of difficult for me. And I just want to lead off with that. I always want to be honest with my audience. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was just really tough. And we did not get to do our regularly scheduled edition of the Dome Patrol. But Ross Jackson was kind enough to give me another day and come back and do this. Um so Ross, thank you for understanding and for uh, joining me today.
0: Y'all yeah, oh man, absolutely. No, I completely I was look. We were all there, dude. We were all there. I want to say your name, everything going on with Breonna Taylor. like I'm 100% with you, and I got you. If Don't Patrol needs to shift to a Friday, we shift the damn Don't Patrol. It does not matter. There are things more important. That was one of them. I'm glad to see you. I'm good. I'm glad to talk to you. Here we are. We can roll, man. It's all good. Anytime. And I'm going to say this. Yesterday, I was open, and I said, I'm frustrated. And I told you, Mm -hmm. and I
1: told some other people, and you also just, I mean, you, you said to me, no matter what, hey, man, let's talk, you know, mm-hmm. just don't patrol. No, don't patrol. Right. Let's talk. And a lot of people did that. And I think a lot of people did that for a lot of people around this mm-hmm. country yesterday. And I just want to say, I appreciate that in particular. The show is one thing, but our, our relationship goes beyond this show. That's right. And I
0: appreciate you as a friend. Yeah, man. Very same. Very same, bro. So glad to be here. Glad to see you. Glad to talk to you. And everything and uh you know we'll keep we'll keep pulling each other through man you know we don't get to just walk straight through doorways we kind of <laughs> gotta pull each other a little bit you know what I'm saying <laughs> we're either pushing each other or pulling each other so you know we're just gonna keep doing it man <laughs>
1: yeah no we don't we don't get the, the airport um gliding pathway man
0: right there yeah. we we see that happening don't get me wrong we can <laughs> see it.
1: <laughs> we're the we ones just... dragging the bag with, th- with one broken wheel right.
0: <laughs> we try to walk straight but the bag wants to go in circles and i can't think of a better analogy man. It's, oh, it's America, crazy. Bro. Um, <laughs> but we do this
1: and i kind of renewed my interest in doing this because yeah i mean look this is part of how we get through right and so not an escape I do not no, use this not as an a distraction. Escape. It's not a distraction <laughs> or an escape. It should not be that. Right. Um, but it's something. It, it is something that reminds us because these. Uh, and I have to tell people this too, and I do this all the mm-hmm. time. The difference between sports as an escape and anything else is that there are real people involved. Right. When we escape into most of any of the other things we do in our life, if it's fishing, or if it's painting, or if it's. That's right. us. It's just You know, us. I, you know right. I relax by reading or I listen to my favorite song or I go, you know, watch a show that I enjoy because those are all things that are supposed to bring your temperature right. down. That's what therapeutic right. escape is. It is. No, there are real people on these fields and we are investing emotionally in what those people do. So it is clearly not in that moment. It is the least therapeutic thing possible. Ask any Saints <laughs> fan what it feels like. You know I'm saying? Yeah. Did, ain't no about-
0: Saints fan tuning in for, to relax like, right. that, that's how why. was people's
1: blood pressure on Monday night let, let me just ask right. you if you
0: felt relaxed and, and had a therapeutic Monday night I have to tell you man watching that game I'm wiping my eyes now but watching that game I there was a moment it was the Drew Brees interception that I just went I have to detach from this <laughs> I have to detach from this it does not matter what happens from this point forward if the Saints come back and win it Saints come back and win it. I, I watched it. I saw it. But I'm now, I'm an analyst. That's all I am. And I like completely detached myself from it. And I, you know, my fiance was sitting there and she was like, are you, are you sad? Like, are you frustrated? Are you upset? And I'm like, no, I don't feel nothing right now. <laughs> and we <laughs> I just, learned. You had to click it. You had to flip the switch, man. You had to flip it.
1: Yep, there's sometimes where that's why I'm glad I do this job sometimes because I get Mm -hmm. to remove all the emotion and not be disappointed because I'm like Like, I just have to talk about the reality of this. I don't. This is this is just this is a job. This is not my feelings.
0: I literally just went. I'm gonna just see what personnel packages they put out there. How many tight ends you got? (laughs) (laughs) And I tracked all. And it made my show really good. I had some good info because I was just like you know what I'm gonna just. So
1: today, I happened to be on a call with uh, the NFL uh-huh. Live folks, uh, Mina Kimes mm-hmm. and um, Dan Orlovsky, uh-huh. uh, and I got to ask them some questions about Sunday night's game. Uh huh. So Mina gave me the defensive view, and she said, you know, sure. she had, she had talked up the Saints' defense. She was really excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, a lot of depth, you know. She but she's really disappointed in the D line. I mean, that's the thing. It starts right there for her is that the D line, she says the secondary is not as bad as it looked on Monday. And I agree with that. And I think you agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said, but there's two things here. The D line didn't get real pressure on, on Derek Carr. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, Demario Davis was literally the only linebacker who you could count on in that game. Um, her key was if they don't get pressure on Aaron Rodgers early, she thinks this could be. You know, she she still believes in the Saints, but she said if they don't get pressure yeah. early, this could be bad.
0: It can get rough, yeah. And and the thing that's that's so the thing about that is that Green Bay's defensive line is better than any any of the either of the two defensive lines that the Saints have faced so far this season, and so you have to expect that it's going to be a bigger challenge and so who's going to rise to that challenge cam jordan a lot of people are talking about hasn't been present for the first two games and i think that there's there's truth to that in terms of what we're accustomed to seeing we're watching a guy who just had three of his best seasons in a row 15 and a half sacks last season mad pressure like he, he doing that work um we haven't seen it we, you know, we haven't seen him get to the quarterback as much. We haven't seen him there, but you've seen all the other things. You know, you look at the, the sack that Trey Hendrickson got on Tom Brady, the, the first sack of the season. The only reason why that sack happened is because Cam Jordan sniffed out a screen pass and cut off the outlet, right? The only reason that you saw uh, Demario Davis get his sack, no, I'm sorry, uh, Malcolm Jenkins get his sack is because he was rushing off the same side, which was the first sack in the Raiders game, coming off the same side as Cam Jordan. And people were occupied with Cam Jordan. Now Cam Jordan got to a point where they started single him, they started singling him up because he could not, for whatever reason, he was having trouble with the, the third string right tackle. That is it was actually a guard that had had transitioned over. So huge body there over on the edge. And Cam Jordan's game isn't that of a speed rusher. He wants to beat you up at the line of scrimmage. And it's tougher to do when you have a bigger body there. And he, he wasn't as much of a presence deep into the game as we're used to see. We're used to seeing Cam get his sacks in the second and I'm sorry, the third and fourth quarter. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really where you're starting to see the difference is how long and how late in the game can the Saints defensive line be a factor. On Monday night's game, you didn't see them be as much of a factor late when they needed to be. You saw that as well with all the extended drives, ten of seven third downs allowed, two other third downs given up by penalty two other fourth downs converted like people didn't want to try to run on fourth and short against the saints defense, but they did on Monday, you know? And so I think that you're going to see some of that early from green Bay carrying over the performance that they saw from the saints defense on Monday and the saints defensive line in particular, winning in the trenches is going to be really important. I haven't done my defensive line breakdown yet. I'll do it tonight so that it's ready for tomorrow. But I would imagine that you probably saw fewer rotations in Monday's game than you saw against the Buccaneers where they did 21 different player combinations and 31 different configurations of where those players lined up. I imagine you're probably going to see fewer of that in in the Raiders game.
1: Like you talked about that offensive line and that was another, uh... point that Mina Kimes made was mm-hmm. the Packers in her estimation right now, the best offensive line in the NFL, right? We, pl- we played against the, the Raiders who were missing starters on their offensive line. A Tampa Bay offensive line has been maligned for, mm. you know, and has still shown that this year they're struggling to protect the passer at times. This challenge of going up against green Bay where they have weapons at every level
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Rodgers looks like two years ago, Aaron Rodgers right now, rather right. than last year's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get the ball out quick, which puts mm-hmm. it even more important for the Saints to get pressure early. Here's my question to you. How much now are we seeing the impact of them not being able to get those reps in the preseason? Is that as big an issue as the the injuries and the nicks and, and bruises too?
0: I think it is, and the thing that's disappointing about that is that this was supposed to be the team that wasn't affected by that. This was supposed to be the veteran team that wasn't bothered by the fact that they didn't have the you know full on off season and the the full preseason. Because remember, what we're talking about when we talk about the truncated off season is no OTAs, no mini camps, no mandatory or voluntary mini camps. N- none of those things, and then the time off, and then you come back for training camp, and then you have a week of practice, preseason game, week of practice, preseason game, and then you do that for four weeks. Like there's, that's a long process. They got truncated all the way down to three weeks and some virtual meetings, which is not the same. You can do that install on Zoom all you want, but if you're not getting the reps in your body, and one of the things that Coach Payton said, kind he talked about it over from the offensive side, but I imagine it's true for the defensive side as well, is that when you look at it, and you can see this on film, when you look at – uh, routes being run route combination that the spacing is off. You're cluttering receivers together. You're cluttering options together. I would imagine that with stunts, twists, things like that, that you're used to seeing from the saints defensive line, that you're seeing some similar issues or the relation of one zone defender to another zone defender, things like that. I, I imagine it's those smaller sort of nuanced minutiae details that you're really see, or, or that the saints are mostly struggling with because over on the offensive side, we see that, right? We see that it's the precision stuff. I would imagine that it's the defensive version of that in terms of their own spacing with one another and even just assignments. I mean, like you mentioned, and as Mina said, the Saints secondary didn't perform as bad as it looked like they did in that game. It's just that you had a tight end in Darren Waller who caught 12 passes on nine different defenders because the Saints only answer for him was Demario Davis. And you, if you tell him, all right, it's your job to get rid of Darren Waller, then you exclude him from the rest of the defense. And then that's when Hunter Renfro gets going. That's when Josh Jacobs gets going. That's when, you know, Jalen Rashard gets going for 30 yards on, you know, fourth and or third and 10 or whatever it was like all of that happens when you have, when you take DeMario Davis out of the defense and out of the game plan. And that was that, a part of that is just good game planning and good coaching by John Gruden. And the other part of it is just that the saints didn't have an alternative because they weren't prepared for that kind of an attack. It looked like
1: the surprising thing for me was just how they were out physical. And I don't want to mm-hmm. go too much into Monday's game. Cause you've done that. You've done that all week. So, uh, but that was the shocking thing for me is that, you know, it looked like Josh Jacobs ran for 150 yards, right? You know, he had 23 carries for 88 yards. So that's not a great game statistically, mm-hmm. but this is what we talk about. An impact is that he was able to wear the saints down and prevent
0: oakland from making i mean las vegas from making mm-hmm. mistakes that really should be their new name the oakland i mean las vegas students. like that should be what the name <laughs> just is just like the that's what everybody says right We do with the chargers <laughs> still so <laughs> that should be the whole damn name no but i hear you like that's exactly that's exactly right and so that's why like i like metrics like pro uh, i'm sorry football outsiders has a metric called dvoa and what they do right. with dvoa is that they take every single NFL play, and they measure a rate of success on it based on its situation because success is different than production. Your production might be only 3.3 yards per carry like Josh Jacobs, but if 20 of your 25 three-yard runs went for first downs, that's a very successful day. You know what I mean? Which obviously is not what happened, but just to exaggerate it so that people understand the point. That's why I like DVOA. And the Saints are near the bottom right now when it comes to A couple of different DVOA factors, including, as you can imagine, tight end after Monday's game. But the Packers are dead last in DVOA defensively when it comes to tight ends, allowing over 98% above the NFL average to tight ends. So you can start to see where the Saints offense can get back into rhythm against the Green Bay Packers' defense, but the Saints' defense has to be able to sort of not even get back to where they were week one, but just a happier medium than what they found week two. Which y'all found week two and which y'all did week two, that was nice, that's cool, I appreciate y'all trying something, but leave that, and then you can adjust to something that maybe fits a little bit more adequate in terms of what you need for the offense to get rolling. Because the Saints' offense had one possession in the third quarter of that game, five plays. That was it. And then by then... What are you gonna do? Lastly, before we leave the defense, the Mm -hmm. linebacking core
1: outside of DeMario Davis, who have we mentioned? Who has stepped up
0: into that void? Well, part of part of the reason why that's the case is because the Saints haven't played any other linebackers. They've <laughs> played DeMario Davis and Alex Anzalone a ton. And Alex Anzalone, for his assignments, have done well in terms of what you can dictate and what you can prescribe on him based upon what his primary coverage responsibilities are. But if you rule in the plays that he is near and has the ability to affect but hasn't affected – that's when you start to see him maybe struggle a little bit more, even though they're not his assignments. But, you know, we think about players like Marcus Williams who have so much range that they can at least get into range, like into the vicinity to either make a play or not. Alex Anzalone struggling a little bit with that, which, of course, he's coming. You know, we talk about a guy who hasn't had an offseason. He has had a very long offseason in terms of from his injury and everything not being able to come back last year. So outside of that, though, the only other linebacker to get playing time for the Saints was Caden Ellis' on week one's game three snaps they didn't play a third linebacker a single snap during the raiders game and the, the reason why they're doing that is because they feel very good being able to limit the run based on their nick like just using their nickel set they've done a very good job with that and if they really need to limit the runner they feel like it's an obvious running down they come out in a bear formation with five defensive linemen which is still six dbs but a little bit different than your nickel than your nickel set so that's the way that they've been handling the run and they've done a good job against the run, as we mentioned with the nickel sets, but you start to wonder, are you going to try to figure out what's going on here in the second level here soon by making sure that you can get more of those zone defenders in the middle. The other thing that they struggled with because of that, that might have taken some of the, maybe alleviated some of the eyes in the linebacking core is that Malcolm Jenkins spent more time in man coverage than he needed to spend in this game. Yes, And if you have him and you use him in a way to where he, per- he patrols over the middle in what's called a robber role to where he comes from that deep safety look and then patrols the middle of the field lower than the deep safety, which would be Marcus Williams, that's a better and more advantageous way to use him. Use him at the line of scrimmage as a run defender. Use him at the line of scrimmage to blitz. Use him back 12 yards off the line of scrimmage to play the deep zone after the snap. Use him in that robber role. Don't use him in man-to-man coverage. And we saw why he struggled against the running back side of the backfield. He struggled against Darren Wallet. He struggled against former LSU Tiger Foster Moreau, uh, allowing that big wheel route that was a huge play. Put him in more advantageous situations to play defense over the middle or deep. And then maybe that helps to either, if you have him playing deep, you have the linebackers free to play the middle. If you have him in the middle, then you have the linebackers free to play the run. I I think that can help to alleviate that. But we'll see what adjustments they make going into Green Bay, who are going to use a lot of the same concepts in the passing game as the Raiders did, but they're going to be more willing to go deep.
1: Yes, they absolutely will be. They have the experience at receiver. You're not dealing with a Henry Ruggs who's a rookie. All mm-hmm. the talent in the world, but right. you mean know, Green Bay just has so much offensive talent. On the other side, um, Dan Orlovsky uh, was addressed that portion for the Saints. He the big thing for him was he said, "You know, Drew Brees is going to be accurate. That's what he is. He's accurate. He's been accurate since birth." But I thought we saw some mechanical issues. Mm-hmm in that game on Monday. And whereas Drew can say it in the press conference that yards per attempt doesn't matter, we know that it is one of the most indicative stats for quarterback performance, and particularly for older quarterbacks, when that number really starts to go down. And we talk about a Saints offense that has, what, seven passes that traveled 10 yards or more? This season, they've only completed Mm -hmm. three. So, I mean, it's... It, it, he says it's not an issue, but to me, it, it, it certainly is. It, I don't know yeah. if it's an age thing, but it's certainly a bigger problem than we're acting like it right now. It has to be corrected quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the way that I've explained it is that there's context within it, right? Do I care that Drew Brees isn't throwing 40, 50-yard passes down the field? No, not one bit at all. But do I care that he's hardly throwing past the line of scrimmage Yes, there's all that space in between that I would rather see him attack. I don't care if it's six or seven yards down the field. Like, I'll take that. And that was the whole thing about, oh, well, Mike Thomas, they only throw five-yard patterns. Fantastic. I'll take a five-yard pattern as opposed to behind the line of scrimmage and setting Alvin Kamara up to where he has to create for himself. Alvin Kamara had 90, just over 90 receiving yards in this game. He had a fantastic day. Fantastic day against Most Alvin. of it in the first um,
1: half, unfortunately, because of the play yes. calls.
0: yeah, Right. Right. Yeah. After the, I think it was after halftime, they only ran five other run plays if I remember correctly. All right. Let's just say a handful. Um, But Alvin Kamara had 90, over 90 yards receiving, but his average depth of target was minus 0.1 yard. So it was behind the line of scrimmage. And when I broke down Alvin Kamara's performance in the receiving game last year and why he struggled in terms of what we're used to seeing from his output, a big portion of it was that he went from catching passes a yard beyond the line of scrimmage to nearly a yard behind the line of scrimmage. And that makes a big difference. That makes a huge difference. Because at least a yard down the line of scrimmage, six players you're already ahead of on the defensive side. And your behind speed is higher. Yes. You have, yeah, exactly. You're moving forward instead of waiting. Because mm-hmm. if you're behind the line,
1: you can't <laughs> get right. that acceleration. What momentum
0: are you picking up unless you've like, run backwards and then run up like the Canadian yeah, football Yeah, you're league, waiting which, uh, for the ball. So Right, right. So it, you know, it, it's that thing to where it's like, do, do I care about the fact that Drew Brees isn't pushing the ball downfield? No, I haven't. He hasn't pushed the ball Not downfield for three years. For free, Three, four years, yes. Yeah, so that's not new. But my concern has just been that the lack of, like we were talking about, the details have led across the entire offense, as well as some issues with his own ball placement and accuracy as well, which are undeniable. They're not huge, and I'm not going to hit the panic button over them, but we've seen them, and there's no reason to say that we haven't. It's in, it'll be interesting to see. How and it was in it. training
1: camp, too. There mm-hmm. were some issues during training camp with some of the balls yeah. that he let go.
0: Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about all the interceptions that the secondary was getting. And it wasn't just Jameis Winston throwing interceptions, like a lot of people wanted to wanted to say. It was Drew Brees. And we wanted to say that maybe the defense was balling out, but now we're starting to see like, okay, Drew Brees not on routine, not not in not in rhythm. And so I think he'll get there. I, I've always been a, it's not about what you do wrong. It's about what you do next, obviously with certain limitations, but I'm talking about within, within the idea of sports um, there's, you know, there's time to fix these things and everything that we're talking about, everything that we've seen from the saints offense in particular, it's diagnosable. Therefore it's fixable. So on and so forth. But the thing that has bothered me the most about what we've seen from this offense so far is that they're struggling at things that are usually most efficient converting and and, and creating that they usually lead the league in when it comes to accuracy efficiency so on and so forth timing nuance all of it, ball placement all of those things you're usually talking about drew Brees and then the field the saints offense and then the field and right now those are the things that have been lacking couldn't care less about the deep ball but i'm curious about how they're going to get these other things fixed i know that they can be fixed but I'm curious to see how quickly they can get there. And this is a good defense to do it against. Honestly, like the Green Bay matchup in terms of the, D- the Green Bay defense versus the Saints offense, if the Saints offense can get rolling, there's a lot of options there.
1: The issue is the line. Um, mm-hmm. It's still banged up. Uh, we, we're, the rotation, I think we're still kind of just trying – I think Sean Payton is trying to figure out um, what to do with guys, at particularly Caesar Ruiz. It's mm-hmm. been difficult for him – They've got to shore this thing up because, again, the running game, if we want to go back to that, to have the success that they had the first half and literally start abandoning the running game in the second quarter when they were ahead, mm-hmm. I don't know why the shift was. Maybe it was because they didn't feel like they were. But the blocking was there early, and Alvin was confident early. But again, Latavius Murphy, not really part of the game plan on the ground. Right. We just started to see a little bit of Ty Montgomery. Mm-hmm. It just, it still feels like there's just this reluctance to give some of these things over to the run game. Is that Drew making the selection at the line still? Or is that Sean Payton wanting to be aggressive with the passing game?
0: I, I. I'm trying to think back when I was watching film of how often drew changed plays early. And I don't recall much of it. You could see when he's changing plays. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, dialogue for days when he does it. And so I, I don't recall many times where he changed plays that early in the game. Certainly when he was in the, you know, the two, two minute drives, the final drive of the first half, things like that. He's calling those plays, things like that. So that's not out of the ordinary, but outside of, that, it mostly came down to essentially the, the play calling, which I do think that the play calling was actually improved in the Raiders game as opposed to what we saw during the Bucks game. It's just the execution was the big issue. And I think that's the biggest difference between what we've seen from, you know, you think back to last year with Aaron Rodgers struggling in Matt LaFleur's system, a lot of it had to do with the, uh, the, the execution mm-hmm. more than anything else. And I think we, we're seeing the same thing with New Orleans right now. It's where execution has been a big part of the conversation in terms of what needs to get fixed. And so I look at play selection probably being a part of that, but the saints didn't completely, I mean, the, 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 the thing that stunk for them was that they started to lean a little bit pass heavy in that second quarter, probably with the intent of not abandoning the run, but then they only came back after the first half to get one possession in the third quarter. <laughs> and they were still only down seven. I mean, Right. But remember, though, that that third that that possession that they had in the third Mm -hmm. quarter was the ones where they also had, what was it, three penalties in four plays, two penalties in three plays, and it pushed them back to where they were looking at like a second and 31, a third and 22. (laughs) So even at that point, like by then you you can't, you know, you can't lean back into the run game. And then after that, your defense has given up 24 straight points. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I, I understand a little bit about I, I think I can see just situationally in the game, using my, my Sean Payton as in there. Situationally, uh, you can sort of see where it is that the, the game plan and the the play calling was coming from. So I don't know that they abandoned it earlier than they needed to, but I do think that it was one of those ones that with the benefit of hindsight, we can say should have kept running the ball.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, we talked about this on the in the outset, even the uh, uh, off season was mm-hmm let's re- rely on that early. And I think that's what Oakland really, that became their game plan while yep. they get themselves together, because you can see that John Gruden is giving David, uh, Derek Carr a little more leash. Not He hasn't given him the full <laughs> piece to the kingdom. You can see he doesn't trust yeah. him a hundred percent, but their thing was, we're going to be physical at the very least. We can control that. Yes. He's not seen the physicality from the saints line mm-hmm. in, 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 in creating that and moving the wall forward. Um, that's an important part of this. You want to see that aggression. You kept a couple guys who maybe are not the most aggressive in that that way. Andrews right. Pete is a very good pass blocker, but he's not a road grader in the run game. Right, a- And that's to me where you're starting to feel the loss of a Larry Warford because in the run game, his size, it makes yeah. such a And his mentality, he's a, a forward mover right. in that spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's very much a, I will line up across from you and I will beat you. Like, that's what my, my job is. Now, I'm curious, and, and this is why I hope that Cesar Ruiz gets in the fold on – Sunday. I, I worry about him getting in the fold against the Green Bay defensive line, but if they don't have Kenny Clark, it makes it a little bit easier, but he has to deal with Zadarius Smith, who is a defensive end and an outside linebacker, but in terms of pass rush win rate, he's the sixth best defensive tackle, so he's winning on the inside uh, just as well, but if you have Cesar Ruiz, then you have all of the athleticism that you want that you wanted on that offensive line to do more of those zone runs, those outside runs right now because you have Nick Easton, you're really not able to put together the full playbook of mm-hmm. the run game that you wanted to put together, that style of run game that does benefit Andrus Pete, which is let him pull and get out in front and utilize his athleticism as opposed to I'm going to beat you straight ahead because this is my gap assignment, right? So I think that that is something that can help is that the style of play with Cesar Ruiz in, in the running game, I think, I believe, will shift to a point to where it allows the athleticism of these players in the run game to make up for the lack of physicality in the run game, which I believe is what the Saints wanted in the first place. So I th- I'm, I'm curious to see how quickly Cesar Ruiz can get can get involved.
1: One of the other things that they that uh, Orlovsky noted was that this this should be a big game for Jared Cook. And as you gave away, they, that Green Bay has struggled against tight ends. Um, Jared Cook's played outstanding football uh, in these mm-hmm. first two weeks. He looks so good um, in those routes. Uh, What what are they going to do to get him more opportunities? Because clearly he has to be the number one while Emmanuel Mm -hmm. Sanders. I I don't want to be on the Emmanuel Sanders garbage way. I think that the people are overreacting to that. No, no, no. He's playing in an unfamiliar spot right now. Um, and and learning himself and and like I said timing has been such a big part of this they haven't Mm -hmm. gotten it yet I'm not calling him a bust but Jared Cook has to be number one right now
0: yeah and you have to imagine like we were talking about spacing timing relation for route to route you have to imagine that that's affected by Michael Thomas not being on the field and that's one of those things there where I talked about that it's not just about Michael Thomas getting 12 catches that makes him important. It's the attention that he draws. It's the precision that comes with his play that allows players to know where I'm supposed to be based off of where these other receivers are, things like that. And so that's even more for Manuel Sanders, who's trying to learn the playbook at this point, now has to learn it without the guy that he, he has to work off of. Because that relationship between wide receiver one, wide receiver two is really important. And, no, and I mean relationship in, even in terms of physical distance from one Should another. tilt
1: that field. I mean, yeah, exactly. Without Mike Thomas. The defense does not have to shift and account for him on multiple levels because right. like, again, when they talk that slant stuff, no, well then why are there linebackers and corners trying to get him? If all right. he's doing is running right underneath, you know, he's going and you can't right. stop.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's a part of what's also affecting Emmanuel Sanders game at the moment. But I mean, if you're going to trust anybody to, to get it right, it's Emmanuel Sanders. Like, this guy has been doing this, and he's done this. Like, he's had to, he's had to become the number one guy when Demarius Thomas was injured. He's had to do the same thing before, and it takes time. It takes adjustment time, things like that. But you want to see it come along quickly. The good news is that what the Saints did last week I thought was really interesting to where they let Traquan Smith sort of hold the weak side receiver role, the X receiver role that Michael Thomas usually holds, which I think is probably Traquan Smith's best fit, just in terms of what he knows how to do. That's He did that in college. He's done that growing up. He's done that his entire life playing football. That is a position that he knows very well and that he's very comfortable in a role that he can serve. He's not Michael Thomas, and the drop-off is still huge. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of where he's probably your best asset right now without a Michael Thomas on the field, that could be it. And the advantage to that is that I talked about the Green Bay Packers being dead last in uh, defensive DVOA against tight ends. They're also near the bottom when it comes to the strong side flanker, wide receiver, the Z wide receiver, wide receiver two, and the running backs in the NFL as well. They're pretty I think they're like 29th, 26th somewhere there. So those are the three spots that I identify as the three places that the Saints need to get production from in this game. And it's, not wild to say that, that your tight end, your second wide receiver, and your running back are the guys that carry your offense. There's nothing crazy about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it's not impossible for them to do that. So when it comes to Jared Cook, he needs to be the guy that they're able to use to attack over the middle against this uh, this Green Bay defense. What they'll do a lot is that they'll put Zadarius Smith in the middle of the defensive line so that they can bring another rush linebacker on. So they'll be playing with a pair of edge rushers, another edge rusher in the middle, and then a rush linebacker that can also run. The advantage of that is that if they're also in nickel sets, so they only have one linebacker left to patrol the middle of the field. So that's where they get chewed up quite a bit. And that's where all NFL offenses want to attack. So that would be helpful for the Saints to have that. The The Packers don't have a tight end. They don't have a safety. Maybe Darnell Savage can keep up in terms of speed with Jerry Cook, but having both size the combination of, of size and speed, you're not going to find it. So that's one of the reasons why I think Jerry Cook is going to be huge in this game or needs, can be huge in this game if the defense can get rolling. I'm sorry, the offense, excuse me. Um, and then Emmanuel Sanders snapping into the offense and finding ways for the offensive game plan to lean to what he knows. They're going to be able to do that by going away from Jair Alexander, who's a fantastic young corner since he's come into the league. And then, of course, the, uh, the Green Bay Packers have notably struggled in the run game so far, and they've struggled against opposing running backs. So let Alvin Kamara, let Latavius Murray do – what they've been doing already this season. I don't think you have to change too much when it comes to Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. I'd rather see more Latavius Murray early, early as we talked yeah. about, early in the game, early in downs, and then really take advantage of Alvin Kamara in the red zone where he's so effective. But either way, you're looking for you're looking to cash in with those those four names is hopefully is what I'm what, what I'm thinking for the Saints if they're able to get rolling.
1: And the thing for me with the loss of Mike Thomas is that the one thing that makes him. Unlike any other receiver in the league is that he creates his own space where there is right. none you know like that's that is a gift it's not something that you mm-hmm. can teach it doesn't matter how big somebody is on him. You saw it in the game he got hurt he made that catch where he's coming across there's no nobody else makes oh, that catch right. nobody else makes that catch so right. now, for drew, I think too is they the saints have to do something to give that extra half second of separation for the receivers and Jared Cook is the is the one who can create that on his own Alvin Kamara can kind of create that on his own but like you said you've got to give him that opportunity to get past the line of scrimmage so to me that's why when we talk about the running game being so important early is that it makes the defense account for those guys in the backfield, in the second half, mm-hmm. once the Raiders had no reason to account for the backfield anymore, right. it completely changes the way because you've already given up on one side of the field because right. Mike Thomas isn't there. So it's just that is the thing you ha- even if you're not running for big yardage, you have to remain somewhat balanced.
0: Yeah, feed the hot hand. I mean it's it's not much different than it's not much different than the NBA in that in that feel, right? Feed the hot hand. Traequan Smith had a great day, uh, but. targets everything kind of started to go away from him um uh michael tom excuse me um, alvin Kamara was having a fantastic day the focus started to go away from feed the hot hand and 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 see what you're able to cook up with that the other player that i would keep in mind too because like josh hill is going to be in a lot josh hill probably got in a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. he probably got in a lot of trouble because he stopped running that route that went incomplete by drew i think so i'm curious to see if maybe next time You know, we saw Jared Cook run that same route week one. We saw Josh Hill run that route week two. I'm curious if maybe Adam Troutman runs that route week three. And they're getting a little bit more comfortable with Adam Troutman. He's performing really well in the run game. Does he get – he had the, the one catch for 17 yards down the field. He looked really nice there does he get more opportunities too? like, is is, that's the other thing is that when you look at the other receiving options for the saints, we haven't even talked about Taysom Hill today. And Um, we're about to, I got a question on that one. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I I think getting those other players involved, which if the saints offense can catch its rhythm, you know, they're going to spread the ball around. So curious to see how those other players get involved. Like Deontay Harris, who also looked really promising when he had the ball in his hand, the couple of times that he did the, the few opportunities that he had against Vegas.
1: How, how much has that been a shock that Taysom has six touches in two games um, when the whole justification for paying him the money that they paid him was, we're going to use him a lot more this year. Well, he's being used a lot less yeah. in a situation where they need more potentially explosive plays.
0: Yeah. I, look, I'm sure that there's a, a reason. I mean, he's out there in terms of, like, being out there for snaps. But he's not getting the attention. I mean, when I saw him catch the first pass of the season, I was like, oh, okay, it's coming. Like, they're going to feed this dude all the time now. But during that Raiders game, we didn't see that much with him. Even during the Bucks game, we didn't see too much with him. Now, there was the pass that was low and outside late in the game to Traquan Smith in the fourth quarter, I want to say, that – we I was one of my like most concerning plays by Drew Brees just just because of ball placement something Mm -hmm. you don't usually see from him I'm not like ringing the alarm on him but I was curious about that pass if you look six yards to the right Taysom Hill's wide open (laughs) in that one but of course you know Drew's also have he he has a disadvantage of the that he has and everything like that like the throwing windows where those are and things which was something that really affected Drew is where his throwing windows were available you know, we, have the pass, we had the pass when Deontay Harris was coming across the formation and then the ball placement was behind him. Yes. There was no way for Drew to throw that pass to get it ahead of him because there was nothing but six bodies. It wasn't pressure. It was just where they were. And mm-hmm. so he had no way to get that ball in the proper placement. So it wasn't that the ball placement was more of an issue. It was, the re- again, relationship, nuance, all those things that we've talked about, details, spacing, that was the issue. So I, I think that when it comes to Taysom, I think that perhaps his opportunities are coming and that there's still, an op- there's still a focus on utilizing him more, especially with how much they paid him. Um, but there's still a focus on that. It's just that the only reason why we really haven't seen it yet is because the moments where those are dialed up, the relationship, the, 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 the spacing, the timing, things have been off elsewhere that have kept Drew Brees from able to make those connections. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing him seeing Taysom Hill take more snaps. I'm not saying from the perspective of keeping Drew Brees off the field. Not I just, running a drive, yeah. You're not asking right.
1: him to run a drive. But, right.
0: But yeah. if you have, you know, uh, a first and 10 at the, you know, the opponent's 45, that's a great time for a shot. A run And a, and a run pass option. And a run pass, yeah, exactly. So there's a, so many different ways to sort of get him involved in certain game situations that, I don't know how much – first of all, I don't know how much of it got derailed without Michael Thomas in terms of what those plays look like without him. And I don't know how much of it has been present but hasn't been able to be followed through upon because of lack of execution. But I do think that that's a part of that rotation – or excuse me, that, that sort of catching the, the wave, if you will, for the Saints' offense that is on the way.
1: Have you ever kind of uh, – a? this is just random. Have you ever kind mm-hmm. of fantasized about the Saints running an option just a couple of plays a game with Taysom and Alvin Kamara just going on the outside and just seeing if the, one of them could turn the corner. I mean, yeah. I, I, you have to feel that Taysom you can make to. the pitch,
0: right? Right? Yeah. So
1: yeah. they both can run. They yeah. both have great hands. Yep. I would love to see it, like you said, in a first down where the defense does not know if there's going to be a run or a pass. Because typically, when Taysom comes in the game and he's under center, you, you're already saying pass. You right. Know? I mean, or, or so I think that. Yeah, I would love to see some deception. I'm not questioning Sean Payton, though.
0: Not at all. Not at all.
1: For me, to question it was a play call, I'm just just saying in my daydreams, every once in a while, I'd like to see an option play. That would be cool.
0: Right. Or, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, we saw the Wildcat formation come out week one with Alvin Kamara under center, Latavius Murray, Tom Montgomery on his hips, and then Deontay Harris in the backfield. You can run that same option play starting the ball in Alvin Kamara's hand with Taysom Hill as the option. Like, there's so many different things. Remember, we watched them run a fullback quarterback option yeah. last year against the Bears. Like, there's so many possibilities. And I think that uh, some of it has to do with comfort. Some of it has to do with familiarity. Not familiarity with one another, but familiarity with play calling and things like that, that I think you're going to see more of that creativity. And this is a time for Sean, Sean Payton to be creative because he doesn't have Michael Thomas. So you have to be creative in order to find other ways to make this offense work. And that was something that I, I spoke highly of about him going into this Las Vegas game was that geniuses get bored. Now here's an opportunity for him to to have some creativity and have you know figure out what that that creative as we saw last is. year with Teddy. As like we saw last year with Teddy, exactly. And I, I still think that's on the way. I think we didn't see what we expected when it came to week two, but there's still you know 14 more games this season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bigger adjustment in the reverse. Yeah. Teddy could come in and at least he knew I've got Mike Thomas, right? I mean, for so for Teddy, you had now you've taken that away from a 41 year old Drew Brees, Mm -hmm. and that does because because as we talk about rhythm, that just and it's so funny that in New Orleans we're talking about rhythm, interesting, um, (laughs) and that the Saints are out of rhythm. It's the weirdest, you know. It's just that's just so apropos. Um, But yeah, that those that ability to throw Mike Thomas those seven yard, eight yard um, throws are what gets him into that rhythm. And I think that that, you know, even though the stat line he still was over 65% completions and 300 yards and all those things, it felt like eating candy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you looked at the stat, you're like that, that wasn't a a Drew Brees 300 yard game. Not one of the ones you want. That's, that's one of we Let's throw that away. I don't want that on the record book for most 300 games of my career. That's, i can't
0: out. yeah yeah i can do without that one but the thing that's interesting is that like you look at his performance under pressure i mean, sorry without with, when he wasn't under pressure which he wasn't under pressure for a ton of dropbacks no, was like 11 really. dropbacks yeah. if i remember correctly but he was 20 of 27 for 251 yards and a touchdown if i'm remembering correctly without any pressure which even if that was just his stat line that alone was his stat line but you would have been pretty happy with that yeah You know what I mean? You're happy with that, and so I think that that's the intent. And and what helps do that is the run game. Uh, What also helps that is play action, which is something that the Saints were near the bottom of the league last year to do. You don't have to have an effective run game in order for play action to work. Statistically, it makes you have to do it right. (laughs) Exactly. Like you don't have to be breaking (laughs) off and and not to say that they weren't. They were averaging 5.9 yards per run in that game. You could have run a play action at any time you wanted to in that game. And, uh, and, and, and Drew Brees looked good uh, with play action, but you don't see a lot of it for him in this offense. And I'm hoping that that will change because if you want to buy him more time, if you want to give him the opportunity to survey the field, if you need to create distance between him and the line of scrimmage because you're worried that the line of scrimmage is going to be set back a yard, run play action. Run play action, stall the defense and let Drew Brees pick them apart. We haven't seen a lot of play action in the Saints' offense, and I hope that we start to.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna get your prediction in just a second because I know you gotta go. But I want to ask you this: This is interesting mm-hmm. to me. Do you think Drew Brees, that you know the the way he's come up as a quarterback, whether it be from Purdue to San Diego to New Orleans, that as those offenses evolve play action becomes less and less a thing because of his height. Because, you know, you see that, mm-hmm. that dip that quarterbacks take on the play action. When they yep. go into the fake, that extra time for his head to dip for a guy who does throw up with his right. motion. I wonder if he feels – if he has just – because most quarterbacks, you see it, that kind of a thing. Either you're a Brett Favre who never really relied on play action team but did have a great right. play action fake. Right. Aaron Rodgers, great play action fake. Russell Wilson, great play action fake. But Russ takes much deeper drops than Drew Brees does. Mm-hmm. So I think – I just wonder if that's one of those things, is just the way the Saints' offense is and the way he plays best, if he just doesn't feel as comfortable with the play action. That may be me projecting, but it's just I'm, – I'm just looking for an explanation, as a lot of yeah. people
0: are. It, it, it could be that. It could be that. I mean, you see other quarterbacks of near his stature that still run play action. Baker Mayfield runs it a lot, but you know he also has no offensive line. Uh, you look at Russell Wilson, of course, as you mentioned, and the way that they deal with his height and play action is by making is having him take deeper deeper uh, drops, which is easier when you don't have concerns with your arm strength, things like that. So I, I, it very well could be. And the other part of it too is just that Drew Brees likes to snap, take three steps, throw the ball, yeah, and that's the rhythm that he likes it. to get yeah. it right. That's the rhythm that he likes to get in. And so I think that it has a lot to do with sort of his own mechanics, just as much as it has to do with the rhythm of the offense, that this is what we want to do. Snap, three-step, drop, throw. Snap, three-step, drop, throw. Less than two and a half seconds don't want to hold on to the ball. I think that maybe play action might work. It might feel like it's counterintuitive to that. But at the same time, that that when does the timer really start when it comes to play action does it start at the snap between snap to throw or does it start when you pull that ball out of the belly of the wide receiver to throw because Because it's about yeah right because you can still create the quick throw concept out of play action and in fact it also gives if you want to throw to the person that you just fake the ball to alvin kamara it gives them a running start in their route and allows you to throw the ball to them beyond the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so there's, you know, so there's still concepts there that I think, you know, one of their favorite routes to run with Alvin Kamara is that angle rights where angle mm-hmm. routes where he starts going out toward the sideline diagonally yes. and then breaks back inside. You run that off of a play action and that, that sets up really well, more times than not. And so I, I could see where there might be some hesitation, but I do think still that play action is something that's missing from this offense and sometimes to its own detriment.
1: And I like it on the outside as well, because you're oh, sure. at
0: all you want is that one step. Mm-hmm. That's
1: all you want. And even if you right. want to get out out quickly, let put that air underneath it and mm-hmm. just give you, if that, that play action gives your receiver that, that handed, you know, the opportunity to get their hands on the inside or, or on the outside, depending on how that route is mm-hmm. and, and get a little bit of separation. So yeah, maybe they will add it. I think Sean Payton absolutely will make more adjustments of course over the next mm-hmm. few weeks. The main thing, just like it was last year when Drew Brees right. went down, survive this. Yep. Survive this. Yep. You, it, That's it. The, the whole thing is about how are you playing the last six weeks of the season. Yep. And yep. and for my thing is during this time. This is really the time to, to try to, to make sure you limit Drew. Don't over-rely on Drew because you have, you're mm-hmm. missing Mike Thomas and feel like, okay, we got to make Drew, Drew do these things because I think it will have a negative impact on the back end of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you don't have to come out here and, like, completely fix everything this week. No. You just have to, as you said, you got to survive. That's all it is. <laughs> it, it, that's it. And
1: I, I don't think the locker room is going to break up. I don't think, you know, you have that no. kind of concern. I don't think you have a, a morale concern. And I don't think it, it was a case of playing down to the opponent. I just think there mm-hmm. are things that have to be worked out. And, and this is going right. to take time. Some teams are catching it faster than others. That's just how it is. Uh, but the Saints got to run their race. And that, that can still lead to some very good things for them this season, especially – when you look around the NFC right now, and I don't, you know, even Green Bay, I don't, I, they're a three-point dog, but I would right. say that Green Bay is, the, to me, they're the favorite this weekend. But mm-hmm. even if they win this game, I don't think they're the best team in the NFL. You know right. what I mean? I don't think they're even the best yeah. team in the NFC. I think the best team right now is Seattle. But mm-hmm. that can change at any time this season, at any time. Right. So I'm not worried.
0: No reason to. I mean, this is, this is a game that feels like we can go back to it and say, oh, turns out that was a must-win game. But we won't know that until playoff seeding is part of the conversation. This could have playoff implications just simply because of the fact that it's a conference game. Right. But as fun as a ta- of a talking point as that is to help make the game more important, you can't look at it like that. You know, I usually don't make any broad judgments about the season. I look by quarter. Yeah, right? do First do games, second. Four. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right, exactly right. And so if the Saints come out of this first quarter two and two, they're better off than they've been in the past. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah, because you'd expect no matter what happens this weekend, it's likely that Matt Patricia's coaching for his job when they go to Detroit yeah. the yeah. week after. Because Detroit's yeah. going to get stomped this weekend. It's, right. it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the Saints are three-point uh, favorites right now. Some have it around two and a half, but still basically a field goal game. I am. Uh, I think this game actually score-wise looks very similar to the Vegas game. This is a game that's like a six-point game at the end, in my opinion. Yep. I think Green Bay pulls this one out just because they're healthier and
0: right. they're
1: in rhythm right now. And there's no shame in it if the Saints win, but I think it's going to be how they play um, more than the score for me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I look at this game as being like a 35-27 to 27, uh, or 35-24 to 24 even type of victory for Green Bay. If the Saints can get that going like if they're able to get to the point to where they're dropping 27 i think that's a good out that's a good that's a good sign for the saints offense regardless of what they what you're looking for in this game of course you want the team that you love to win i get it but what you're looking for in this game is to see improvement for the team from week two you're you're watching week three saints versus week two saints absolutely that's that's the important part of this game Uh, we'll find out if a loss this early to an NFC opponent ends up shooting them in the foot last year, like it did. I'm sorry, this year, like it might have done last year, but right now that can't be the concern. You're looking for improvement in new Orleans.
1: Absolutely. And we will get into that next week. We'll see if they check some of those boxes um, for things that we'll be looking for. Uh, Ross, tell them what you got working and, and um, what other, well, you got so many
0: things. Give it to me. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I'm, I'm very pleased. You know, always feel very fortunate and uh, very lucky uh, to be doing what I'm doing. And it's always a pleasure to be here with you every week, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, doesn't matter. We out here. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. You can catch the Locked on Saints podcast every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Yeah, listen to
1: us back to back. There you go. That's right.
0: There you go. Check us both out. Uh, But harden the paint first and then come to me. Right. I'm like, the, I'm the, I'm the chaser. That's all. But, uh, <laughs> but come through uh, less than 30 minutes for every episode and everything to make sure that it's digestible for you as you come through. Um, and you know, you can always catch the the long form work elsewhere. And then, uh, you know, you can catch the write-ups and everything as well over at, uh, Canal Street Chronicles.
1: And they're doing fantastic work over there as always, Ross, thank, thank you man. so much, man. Um, have a great weekend. And I, I will be tweeting and talking oh, before yeah. next week. <laughs> (laughs) of course absolutely
0: absolutely, homie such a pleasure like i said man it's good to see you good to talk to you thank you for everything and uh, i look forward to doing this again
1: man thank you and um you know hey i love you brother love you man all right. So, this has been another episode of Hard to Paint. Y'all know how to follow me at DM Grub and the website H-I-T-P with DG.com. Check out the store. You've seen the stuff. Ross saw the yeah. stuff a lot. There's some dopeness out there, there for is. you to put on. I got, I got football jerseys, baseball jerseys, <laughs> jogging pants. It's all there for you. Look fly. Get some stuff. All right. So, until the next time, thank you. That's it. in the going